and welcome back to the MedTech Talk podcast. This is Tom Salemi. Thank you for joining us. We're still sifting through an enormous pile of great content that we got at the MedTech conference last week on June 1st in Minneapolis. We're going to be packaging that up and sending it out to you via email, social media, what have you. So if you are not signed up for the MedTech Talk newsletter, please do so. Go to healthogy.com. It's the word health followed by the letters egy.com. We'll send you that content each week to your inbox. You can also like us on Facebook. It's Healthogy on Facebook. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. We'll get that, uh, those great thoughts and interviews out to you. I also had the opportunity to speak privately with uh, some of the leaders in MedTech. And uh, one of the folks I really enjoyed talking to was Duke Rolene. Uh, Duke, of course, is a terrific uh, entrepreneur, uh, wildly successful, uh, was the founder of uh, CV Ingenuity and president of Fox Hollow and uh, has done so much in MedTech and continues to do more. He's working with KKR, uh, in addition to his work as CEO of Spirox, he's working with KKR in an entity called Ajax, which is uh, developing basically a new way to manage MedTech companies. And uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a terrific approach to innovating, not so much in a technology way, but, but in, in a company management way. So I, I won't spend any more time trying to describe it. I'll let Duke uh, speak for himself, but uh, really I'm grateful he had the time to sit down with us. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Duke Rowling. Well, Duke, thanks for joining us. Sure, absolutely. So we're talking about innovation a lot these days in medtech, necessarily, and and we can focus on technology, which we do a lot, but but... Another way to innovate is to innovate sort of on the innovation and how companies are run and how startups are run. I thought your relationship with KKR was particularly interesting, and I wanted to delve into it a bit more. Uh, tell us what exactly, how are you working with, with KKR, and how is that relationship affiliated with Spirox and some of the other companies you're working with? So I've worked with KKR for two years, got to know them about four years ago. Uh, two years ago, they decided to make the investment in Spirox, which is an ear, nose, and throat company that's mm-hmm. focused on nasal obstruction. And they came in at the time that we were commercializing, just very, very beginning of commercialization, and uh, uh, brought in a, a significant financing. I think we did a $45 million financing. Um, and from that experience, KKR got comfortable with the way uh, me and the rest of my team operates healthcare companies, and we decided to form Ajax which is a platform company that invests in and operates independent companies underneath it. So Ajax is a, uh, a KKR-funded company, and KKR, independent of Ajax, funded Spirox. So the kind of companies that Ajax would invest in and operate, are they early stage? Are they commercial? They're, they run the gamut. Really? So uh, I like, to, like an, to think of them as catalyst-driven investments. So mm-hmm. if you look at a you – know, a cascade of risks. What we're trying to do is identify technologies where, or opportunities where you've taken five or six core risks and reduced them down to one. And we're, then we drive forward with that investment thesis to try and overcome the, the remaining catalyst to create value. Mm-hmm. So we have, uh, we'll do early stage, we'll do late stage, um, we'll do uh, investments where, you know, uh, there's one employee or we'll do investments where there's 200. 
So what would make something an Ajax company and something not? What is the connecting quality? The connecting quality is uh, me and my teams, mm -hmm. right? So we will. I've worked with a lot of people over the last fifteen years, and a lot of them are very loyal and to me, and I'm incredibly loyal to them. And so I recast those people into companies that KKR wants to invest in. For example, CV Ingenuity, which is the company we sold to Convidian, mm -hmm. it was the drug coated balloon company. Uh, the core people, led by Philippe Marco, who is the president and COO of CVI, has now he's now joined me, and the team underneath him has joined me to run one of the portfolio companies, which is called Advanced Cardiac Therapeutics. So mm -hmm. it's a common denominator of team. Um, but then again, it's it's really a catalyst-driven investment where we're identifying one one thing that can be overcome uh, through capability, through capital, through time, through strategy, and uh, we're vectoring towards sort of that the outcome associated with getting over that hurdle. But you may pair an ENT e e company with a. I don't know, orthopedics company, it doesn't matter really on specialties? Or, it doesn't matter. There's leverage, obviously, when you've spent a lot of time in a space. Sure. Um, you know the people that um, work in that space. You know the engineers that have worked in that space, and there's a lot of leverage that comes from that experience. And so we tend to go into areas where we've worked before, uh, but that is not a precursor. We don't require that in order to go forward. So the the goal of this is to run many companies for a lot less money and keep burn down, or what? Yeah, is the goal is to take advantage of what we see as a significant dislocation in the med tech marketplace, hmm. where companies have had extraordinary amounts of money and put into them, yet they've not been able to get to a financial endpoint that justifies or produces a return. And what KKR which has a very significant balance sheet, recognizes that in many of those opportunities, the the missing link was either capability that was not realized because of capital or its capital. And so uh, the ability to combine capability with capital and real capital to get to an endpoint that's defined is – is, is what I think the marketplace needs. I think the challenges associated with five to $10 million investments is really limiting, um, primarily because five to $10 million investment where you're targeting another $20 million investment from a reserve uh, creates a situation where companies are, are motivated to try and get the next round of financing rather than to drive towards what we see is the catalyst to create value. Interesting. So by by, by over overfunding, which is what a lot of people think we have done, uh, it takes all capital risk out of the equation. You're able to drive very hard to an endpoint that we've all agreed on up front. How much is behind Ajax? Uh, so, uh, we have we have not specified, okay. but it's um, we're looking to do sort of seven to ten investments that are in the twenty to forty million dollar range each. So are you? If it's a company that's raised a Series A round, are you buying out those Series A investors and taking control of the entire company, or how does that? How are those? No, I mean I think the uh, we're opportunistic, right? Mm -hmm. So th the leverage comes from having great management teams that we can work with, mm -hmm. and uh, and so to the extent that those teams exist, there's you know there's a lot of value there to us. That being said, uh, one of the things that we have tremendous experience in is 
is the value creation part. And when you look at investing in med tech these days, it can't just be a neat technology. It has to be a neat technology, which is combined with a really, really strong business model and then the appropriate team to affect that business model. Mm -hmm. And the appropriate team is not potentially someone who's been 20 years at Abbott and then wants to start his own company. It's maybe someone who is a clean reg expert because that's that's the catalyst or it's a transaction expert. And so what we try and do is marry the great technology with the right business model with a team that can do that. And in, in many cir- circumstances, the team is in place. But um, in others, we we sort of restructure or we, uh, we help drive towards the team that actually will drive the catalyst. And a success will be the sale of the company or – IPO, if it's possible. The sale of the company, a roll-up of the company, or um, an IPO. There's all sorts of Just liquidity events, exactly. Liquidity events. Yeah. And Spirox is separate from this. Yep. How did you come to get involved with that, and where is that in its development? So Spirox is a company in the ear, nose, and throat space. We make a bioresorbable implant for the nose that goes into the nose to help or replace um, – septo or turbinate procedures, which are done about between 600 and 700,000 times a year to try and help people breathe. Uh, that company came to me six years ago as a, a doctor uh, out of New York, and he had this very interesting technology. I thought it was interesting. I partnered with a guy named Don Gonzalez, who's an ear, nose, and throat physician, and we started that company. And uh, And then we we're very, very frugal. We spent about $6 million getting it all the way to approval, which is our whole model, which is be very, very capital efficient and lean uh, before you back up the truck. Once mm-hmm. we had 510K approval, we knew that there was a significant market, and uh, that's when we brought in Venrock and Aisling and KKR. Uh, we commercialized that product about seven months ago in six markets, and uh, we've done over – I think uh, over six million dollars. So it's it's just on a very very fast trajectory. How do you do both? How do you do Spirox and the companies associated with Ajax? Because I've got really really great people so, that work with me. Mm-hmm. So um, my role is the CEO, and I primarily focus on identifying what that catalyst is, the strategy, the financing, and the exit. Mm-hmm. And then I have people that are, I think best in class in this space, who know how to operate companies, who know how to innovate from an R&D perspective, who know how to drive sort of what needs to be done from a nuts and bolts perspective to get a company forward. And I rely entirely on those guys. Every one of my companies has a president and COO. So I'm just the CEO. Is there a formula for that kind of thing? I guess I'm thinking of the movie The Founder where he sees the first McDonald's and you put the fry later there and it's just a way of doing it. Better. Is there a way of doing it better in medtech? There is. I mean, I think that um, you, when you think about competing with technology companies and you think about the leverage that just general technology companies have through the internet or through distribution channels that are built, the ability to go from zero to $100 million with $10 million of investment exists. Mm -hmm. In medtech, that doesn't exist. So you have to figure out a way to... compete for dollars with the money that's going into technology. And to me, that comes from being incredibly capital efficient until you have value-creating data, whatever that value-creating data is. And by capital efficient, I mean 5 million, 6 million or less. And uh, and then once you know the, the answers that are going to be on the test and you sort of get a feel 
that you can answer those answers question, you mm-hmm. know, uh, competently, then you back up the truck and you fund to the next milestone. That's the only way to do it. The idea of spending 20, 30, 50, 100 million dollars to get to the point where you you feel good about the technology, it's not a sustainable business model. No matter how much capital is available. No matter how much capital. Not the right way to because do it. the exits are all in the 150 to 350 million dollar sure. range. So if you yeah. spend 150 million dollars to get to that point, there's no return on equity Keep and the money in the capital bank. is not going to dry up. Exactly. Yeah. Capital dry up. Exactly. That's fascinating. So and this is, again, what we're looking at, finding new ways to innovate, not just in the technology front, but in the, the execution. So I think it's do – you, do you see other – do you see yourself as sort of a trial balloon that people are watching you or are there other ventures out there that are doing what you're doing, what you do? I don't see ourselves <clears throat> as a trial balloon. This is how I've always done it. So yeah. I've always had a core company and then I'm, I'm, I'm pushing forward several other technologies at the same time. For example, at Fox Hollow, I came up with the idea for CVI. Mm-hmm. At CVI, we funded – when I was running CVI, we funded ACT and we funded Spirox. They were nominal, but we got those companies going. We sold CVI and then Spirox. So to me, it's not really um, a matter of trying something. It's actually – creating an infrastructure around something I've done for a long time. Yeah, KKR is just sort yeah. of institutionalizing the process. KKR is institutionalizing the process. What it enables me to do is go to the people that are part of my teams. We mm-hmm. have a lot of employees, a lot of really good people who have worked with me in the past, and they know that they're if we sell a company, it's not the end. If we sell the company, then they get redeployed in, in probably an elevated role in a new company. And so, so it perpetuates a capability. So going back to the, the founder reference, which I know I brought up, yep. this is not franchisable. This is you've got a, You could find, I guess, an equally good team, but this is really a big bet on your team that's had success in the past. And my, and I say team broadly because sure. we'll, we expand, right? right? So Spyrox, we've brought in an enormous number of people that I hadn't worked with before. But I definitely will work with those people again. Mm-hmm. Um, what we try and do, what I try and do to perpetuate the model and create more leverage is teach you know, through the way we run companies, which is lean, efficient, very focused, and um, really, really highlighting trade-offs, what we're not doing versus what we are doing, um, so that the other people can actually come up and run those companies the same way I do. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it's franchisable and that we're – we're developing a pattern that people will replicate. Uh, it's not franchisable in the sense that um, that you can go – that we want to go stamp this out. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And just a final question. Yeah. I know you've got a connection to Harvard. This is, seems to be a Stanford-dominated world. Yeah. At least this, for MedTech. And I'm, I'm from Massachusetts. I live in Boston, so I can say that. Uh, what is it – what is it like being a Harvard guy in this sort of this this sea of med tech, and and is Harvard sort of not getting its due for its contributions to med tech uh, innovation? So I'm a Stanford and a Harvard guy. So I went to Stan- <laughs> so I went to Stanford undergrad, but yeah. Harvard Business School. So I'm I'm involved with Harvard. They did a case study uh, in a class that I actually took at Harvard on one of my on one of my companies, CV Ingenuity, and so I got involved with Harvard through that. It it's been incredibly rewarding for me to work with those 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 uh, students and the faculty, the goal is to get more people, whether it's from Stanford or Harvard, to go into this space. Sure. And these people are bright. They're capitalists. They want they go where the money is. The money is not in med tech. So we're losing capability that should be coming into our space, capability to, to lead the next generation of med tech innovators. And so 
my commitment to Harvard is to sort of help facilitate interest in this and show that actually it can be a very lucrative experience for people that want to go down this career path. Are we going to get a Harvard biodesign program? They should. Yeah. I've talked to them about it a lot. <laughs> they definitely should. Well, that's a great point. We'll finish up with this, but uh, I was talking with someone else about giving advice to younger professionals, and he he was honest. He's like, I can't tell them to go into this field. They may go anyway, but I can't advise them that this is a good place to invest themselves. Do you agree? Or? No, I, di- I disagree. Uh, I believe that out of every dislocation comes opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if you look at what's driving innovation uh, and uh, in healthcare, it's medical technology and it's drugs. And so a lot of money is going into drugs, not very much money is going into medical technology, which means that there's a way to fix that. And what you need to have is capability. You need to have capital. And so I... Uh, you know, we medtech has been sort of in trouble for ten years. Mm-hmm. Yet I've sold you know over a billion dollars worth of companies in that space, and it's because there is opportunity. Yeah. So, uh, and the more bright minds we have, more great and more bright minds we have focusing on it, uh, I think that we'll figure the, the the problems out. The problems have to be figured out. It's not a broken systemic issue that will prevent people from being in the space. In my opinion, excellent. Well, let's end on that positive note. All Thanks right. for the time. You're welcome. Thank you. And that is a wrap. Duke Rolin, thank you for joining us at the MedTech Conference last week. It was a true pleasure to have you there. And uh, thank you for sitting down with me for a few minutes to talk about your approach. In addition to the, uh, the audio of this podcast, you can also watch the video. Please feel free to share it with your friends. It's uh, on the MedTech Talk weekly newsletter that I hope you're now receiving. You can also find it on medtechconference.com. So, uh, it, again, it's just it's great to hear from people who are finding new ways to win in medtech. So, Duke Rolene is one of those guys, and we're uh, extremely grateful that he uh, spent the time with us uh, to, to share his thoughts. If you want to help us out uh, on the podcast, please do give us a ranking on iTunes. Uh, as I said at the conference, a few people have uh, mentioned that they've done so for us. And uh, we are grateful. Feel free to email me directly. I am Tom at Healthogy.com. Healthogy is spelled like the word health, followed by the letters E-G-Y.com. Let me know who I should be talking to. Let me know what I should be talking about. And finally, do tell your friends. The more ears listening, the better. And that's a wrap. We'll bring you some more great content from the MedTech Conference next week. And we'll be doing our own uh, MedTech Talk podcast interviews as well. Thanks again for joining us, everyone.